Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. I write all about bikes, running, swimming, yogaing, pretty much all the, all the things. And as of recently, I, I've been racing crits again. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach, and I have been enjoying the Canada Day long weekend up here in the north. Uh, so lots of bike riding. It's been very, very hot and humid, so free training. I've been out in the heat of the day just absorbing all this and hoping that it pays off for nationals in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think this is the first weekend in a very long time where you haven't raced, but I've been gone for racing. Yeah, how did your crit week go? This is New England crit week. Yeah, my Bike Ridge uh, shared coffee team filled with awesome ladies uh, had a really fun weekend at New England Crit Week. Um, you know, our, our two, four, five women had fun trying to kind of figure out how that whole thing works. And then uh, my friend Kristen and our friends Ronnie and Kayla and I all jumped into the Pro 123 field um, for three races. And the first race, I'll, I'll admit, was a little bit uh, hectic for me. It was raining, and I haven't raced a crit in. Uh, quite some time so it was a little scary uh but by saturday and sunday i actually started remembering you know why i really enjoy racing them and started having a lot of fun so it was good i mean no dramatically amazing results but i did not embarrass myself either so thank you to anyone listening who saw me and said it was great seeing me out of retirement by the way <laughs> don't really know how i feel about that but i'll take it yeah, I mean, I don't know that you need to announce your retirement to be sort of retired. If you're if you're not racing anymore, I guess that qualifies. Like, if you don't go to work anymore at some point, I guess you could qualify yourself as retired. Yeah, but that implies that racing was ever, like, work for me. So I was like, I'm glad that anyone thought that I ever raced at a level where if I stopped racing, it wasn't just I stopped racing. It was this idea of retirement. Yeah, it's an interesting, like, I don't know if we need to go that deep on <laughs> retirement and mindset, right, or, or the reasons we race, but it's interesting how some people need that closure, and I don't think that's that's wrong, right, but it's, for some people, it's such a, I guess, a large part of their, their life or their psyche that they, you know, there needs to be more of an official sort of, like, bookending to that, whereas other people, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's one's better than the other. Um, I've seen a lot of people actually retire and move on and do great things and they close the book and never, you know, the book wasn't just like sitting on the table mm -hmm. all the time and they kept glancing at it, but never sort of doing anything with it. So I don't know. I don't know. There's probably pros and cons to both, I guess, but your, your book was sitting sloppily on the table is what it sounds like. It's true. Um, and it's not totally closed for the summer. I'm done with crits for the season, but I still have that uh, 50k trail race coming up in August. And actually, I was so excited. Yesterday, I was working on an article uh, for Map My Run about uh, this cool group in New York uh, called Resident Runners that does a 31 days of running challenge every July. So basically a run streak challenge for July. Um, and I was chatting with the guy that kind of came up with it and I realized he was mentioning he was going to Denver and all this stuff and I was like oh you're doing the UA mountain run series he's like yeah I'm like, are you gonna be in Killington he's like yeah I did it last year I did the 50k and I was like great tell me everything so I got some really good beta on that race so I'm more nervous but excited I see. Well, you probably should be. It's probably a good way to go into long, long events, long races. 
nervous, slightly terrified. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, anything else up with you before we get into today's guest? Well, I was trying to segue, but mm. uh, I'm trying to think. No, we got a, we have a few clinics. You know, a lot of my skill stuff with clients uh, on the bike is one-on-one or small group. Uh, but we actually have two two Saturdays of clinics coming up. One here in Collingwood, and then one out in Saskatchewan, and they're both pretty much full or over full, which is always nice, but also nerve wracking. So excited for those, and just trying to be as organized as we can uh, for those. That's good. And then, yeah, it's been a good couple weeks of riding with clients. I was out riding with a couple of young gentlemen yesterday, and uh, yeah, just it's it's really good, right? It's pretty fulfilling seeing people hopping logs and learning to jump or go faster, or corner or get over a fear. So. Yeah, all all good stuff. All just riding bikes, so mm-hmm. I can't really complain. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I guess does segue very nicely into today's guest. Uh, today we have Katie Keogh on the podcast, and I'm super excited about this. I mean, I've known Katie before she was Katie Keogh, back when she was Katie Antonow. Um, you know, going on probably seven or eight years now. Probably since she started racing cross seriously, I've I've known her. I think and been interviewing her since then and I think this is the longest interview I've ever done with her and definitely the best by far Uh, she was super fun to chat with and I mean we have I'd say a lot in common in that we both raced cross and we both did yoga teacher training but she has significantly more watts than me so we don't have quite that much in common she also has chickens yeah, I mean, we we talk about a lot of stuff. She, there's a lot of, actually, I'm just looking through all the notes I made. There's a fair number of sort of takeaways, so hopefully you can check out the show notes uh, as far as things that Katie uses to do things like Dirty Kanza, which she just won. Uh, and then sort of, so we link to a couple of pro bikes, but we also, right at the end, we talk about sort of the bike setup she used for Dirty Kanza and how she switched her, basically her training cyclocross bike over to that so it wasn't necessarily like a full-on gravel specialty bike but I'm always sort of intrigued by how we what bikes people use and especially when it's a bike that you're using for a variety of functions versus a very specific bike Uh, but yeah we we talk about chickens and meditation and yoga and so it was a whole whole bunch of recommendations and links so definitely check out the show notes yeah all right what do you think let's just dive right in I think so All right, enjoy the episode, guys. I think everyone that listens to our show would probably know your name, but for those who haven't, how are you defining yourself as a cyclist these days, or as a person, too? Um, Well, I'm Katie Keogh. I race for CandaleCyclecrossWorld.com the full cross season from September to February, and I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, with my husband Luke, our six chickens, and our dog Lucy. I'm gonna come back yeah. to the chickens and the dog towards the end of this because okay. I think I need some okay. tips on how to how to convince a husband to get a dog when you spend a lot of time oh, on the road. So. I can give you some tips. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is how I'm getting one. I'm just I, asking everyone. <laughs> I I battled for a while, so I can for sure give you some tips. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> Um, so this summer you, you kind of changed it up with doing Dirty Kansas because you usually would just be racing mostly road, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely not doing as 
heavy of a road schedule um, as I have in the past. Last year we toned it down a bit, but this year I toned it down a bit more. And, yeah, I wanted to do something different, kind of go on an adventure thing. So that's why Dirty Kansas happened. Um, Candale invited me to do it, and I kind of said yes before I really realized what it was. Um, <laughs> Which, once I did my research, then I was like, oh, no, why did I commit to that? But uh, it was really fun. I, I enjoyed it, and um, I'm not sure if I'd do it again. <laughs> right, right when I finished, I, I said I would. Like, yeah, that was awesome. I'll definitely do it again. But when I kind of, like, I'm to where I am now and recovered from it and kind of had a moment to experience all that it was, um, yeah, I'm not sure. So, But it was awesome. It was definitely, I feel something that everyone should try at least once but yeah, it's, yeah it seems like like i coach a lot of people now who it's sort of evolved over the last couple of seasons you know they used to do a lot of like they'd race the road sort of like i guess you have done in, in some ways at an amateur right. at an amateur level though and then race mm-hmm. cyclocross you know in the in the fall and then it seems like now with mm-hmm. with gravel there's a lot of people that are sort of doing this more you know, adventure, maybe building a bit more base, you know, doing more endurance miles in the yeah. summer when it's convenient, especially in Canada uh, or Colorado, I right. guess, too. And then mm-hmm. and then coming mm-hmm. into cyclocross and sort of tapering down or, you know, polishing that off. So do you, do you think that you'll do more of that now that, you know, obviously your contract and having a professional contract yeah. helps you have some options? But do you think that that's like um, an evolving way to train and for cyclocross now that we have gravel? Yeah, I mean, it definitely complemented the endurance block that I was doing very well because, uh, I, I mean, that's all I was doing at the time anyway. It was just long, long hours on the bike. So it worked really well with that, and it was fun to ride off-road. I'm not sure if I'll have the opportunity to do it again or kind of trying to figure that out at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a perfect complement to to um, cross in that time of year for training the long hours and endurance so yeah, it was good. Okay, I have to ask with the mental aspect. I mean, you're used to cyclocross, like forty minutes of just going as hard as you possibly can. Uh, Two hundred miles of going as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. How did you stay like focused and in it, or were there moments where you're just like, oh, oh, right, I'm still pedaling a bike, right? <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, no, I didn't really have any. I never really fell off the rails mentally or physically, which I, which I guess now when I look back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I didn't like totally blow sky high. But um, I think I was super ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Like I was super <laughs> naive in the sense that I had no clue really what the effort would be like. Um, Luke, the first in the first like 100 miles, he kept telling me like, slow down, slow down. We still have like eight hours like slow down and I was just like yeah whatever I'm fine like I didn't really understand but um no I, I think I got lucky but um well no I didn't get lucky I, I work really hard and um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, I don't it's okay know. to say that it was, it was just a, it was yeah it was just an interesting experience <laughs> now did you you mentioned sort of just holding back a bit like were you using any sort of heart rate or wattage or you know perceived exertion you're trying not to breathe yeah. hard or stand up like how did you limit those that yeah. first half or first hundred yeah uh well i i use heart rate definitely use power but mostly i was focusing on the heart rate um i know that part of my body really well and what those zones are and the effort that each is uh but i was just trying to keep up with the lead group until i couldn't anymore and then we settled into our pace and then i really tried to focus on 
my heart rate numbers and um, everything like that, just so that I could survive the rest of the time. But uh, yeah, mostly heart rate and yeah. And is there like, do you have like a percentage that you would ideally stay below or like a heart rate number or like, I, I, listen, um, I'm curious about the, this. But. Yeah. So once, the, I mean, the first, like I said, 70 miles felt like 20 cross races back to back to back. I was definitely <laughs> going way too hard. Um, with the heart rate, I was like in the 170 to 180 range. Um, but then when, when we settled in, yeah, it was, they were, they were moving these guys. Like I was dying. Um, <laughs> But when we settled in, I tried my best to keep it below one, I call it zone two, so it's my, my 155 to 160, and I just tried to keep it in that or just a little bit below. Right, so but sort of like that, maybe you know, like you're... an 80% of max or something like that? Yeah, Yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, yeah. an, it's interesting because I know a lot of people struggle with that. You know, you want to get in and draft the... the the fast group or the group ahead of you to get sort of that like pushed ahead but then you also there's the reality sets it at some point right which i didn't i didn't realize that but yeah you definitely need to settle into into your pace and ride within yourself and um you can i mean i don't know i'm not an expert on it but i i know some of the women would like kind of drop back and didn't didn't get caught up into that whole lead group thing and then they would they um caught some of the girls that did so it's just kind of knowing that effort and uh riding riding within yourself because it's long i was on the bike for 12 hours and nine minutes right that's long long time yeah okay (laughs) so what does the fueling look like for that because that's a totally different animal than you'd be used (laughs) to even on the road right Mm, yeah I, i mean i think so uh i had a whole nutrition plan and made a bunch of rice cakes and like all this stuff that I'd actually want to eat, you know, I'm um, mm-hmm. not just packaged gels and everything like that. Um, but my nutrition plan went out the door in the first like 80 miles. I threw up three times and I couldn't keep anything down. So I think for, from then on, I was mostly just doing maple syrup and iced tea. <laughs> I couldn't, like I couldn't. It did, iced so it tea is surprisingly really good on rides. Is it because yeah, I always I always get we, we, if we stop I always get Arizona iced tea in the states it's like so cheap yeah, so yeah. cheap and it's like right four hundred calories for like ninety nine cents mm-hmm. yeah um, no it's perfect it was perfect and we'd get cold ones in every aid station and just down them while we like are riding and so that worked not ideal probably but that's what worked for me that day and that's all down. I could stomach but yeah. Did the solid food become more appetizing after you sort of got down under that heart rate limit, or was it just Arizona iced tea all day long? Uh, no, I did the maple syrup and iced tea all day. I kept, I kept trying to eat solid food, and it w- really wasn't happening for me. So after, so after X amount of time, I was just like, I'm done with this. I just need to handle what I can stomach. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never but. been good. And even in long stuff, I was never good at keeping the solid stuff. I just... Stick yeah. To the, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how did you train for the 200 miles? I, I mean, did you do a ton of volume? Was it just right in the middle of a big base period? It was kind of just in the middle of a big base period. I didn't really rest into it much because, again, the base period was priority. Dirty Kansas was just going to be something fun um, to do and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I did a, just a lot of long rides, which I would do normal. And then, um, 
um, again, I call it zone two. Everyone's different, though, with what they do. But um, a lot of that just is like 30 to 45 to an hour mm-hmm. intervals of these this zone two thing, which is good because uh, it helped me, I think, stay in that uh, lead group longer. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what did recovering <laughs> from that look like? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it took way longer than... I would originally probably want. I had to be really patient with it. Um, before this camp, I wanted to go do some of the Dairyland races in Wisconsin, but I, I just couldn't because my body wasn't ready yet. Um, but I'd say it took me like three weeks to fully feel like I can train again without it being, with, with it being like quality and productive, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, a long time. I've never ran a marathon but we were talking about it, and I feel like it's kind of, you can compare it to a marathon, and the top, um, I mean, I don't know much about running, but the top people who run, I don't, how many marathons do they do a year? Not not, not many. many. No, you're exactly so right. I feel, yeah. yeah. So I feel like it was kind of like that, if you're comparing, I don't know, but. Yeah, huh? definitely. And when you get those, took T- a while. do you know what your TSS for the day would have been? It probably would have been like four or 500 or something, like a something lot. crazy. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't use training peaks, so I'm not sure. But right, right, yeah. yeah. But I know, like, once you get up into those like huge days, like it's weeks yeah. for sure, right? And people never, you yeah, know, they'll go out and do something big, like even like a, a hundred miler, which sounds small in comparison to two hundred miles, but um, and it's it's no, huge. Still, like you say, big. like three weeks till you're feeling. And you could you could have gone out and ride, but it's you know a lot of times we rush sure. that, and then well, the, the rest of the season you're yeah. tired, right? Right, right. So that was the big. That was hard. I, I'm definitely getting better at that over the years, but it's hard sometimes to be patient because you're like, I want to keep going, want to keep going. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad that I that I waited it out because I feel a lot better now and definitely follows the priority and don't want to come yeah. in um, in a hole or anything. So. How, how did you yeah. know? Like when you were thinking about going to these Wisconsin races, like how did you know you weren't quite ready? Uh, m- mentally and just. Physically, you're just, I just felt, like, tired and, and not ready to push again. Um, mentally, I'm pretty good at telling, like, when it's the kind of tired when you need to keep pushing and, and need to kind of dig through it versus the kind of tired that you need to listen to your body and take it easy. And that just comes with years of doing it and trial and error and just really getting to know your body well. But, um, yeah, I just was able to tell with how I was feeling both physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sometimes people who are only doing these long races, it's tricky, right? Cause you could probably mm-hmm. go out and do a, you know, a three, four five hour ride. Right. But you, you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily push any amazing Watts. Right. Or you're certainly, right. not, you're not doing right. crit races or anything like that. Right. Um, so right. That, sometimes that's what, you know, right. Like you go out and you try to push a bit of power onto the pedals and there's not right. much there. We did the, uh, uh, when I, the two Saturdays after the race, or a Saturday after the race, I think. Um, not no, two Saturdays after the race. I did the group ride on Saturdays in Colorado Springs, and that's a really hard group ride. A lot of top pros come out, and um, it's like a race. And I did it, and I just felt like death. And I was like, Yeah, we're not recovered yet. Like we need to take it easy for another week, you know. But um, no, that's like exactly like you said. Once you start going out and doing intervals or group rides or crit or whatever you're you're able to tell pretty quick then too just with how the heart rate responds to certain efforts and things like that but 
There you go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's pretty valuable for people because that's often a mistake. We want to rush back and not lose fitness after we gained it all at the Dirty Kanza, right? All that, all that fitness right. you gained. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. But I it's also, like I feel like you can't. Oh, go so, ahead. I was going to say, I just felt like that after Iron Man. I wanted to immediately like keep running marathons and stuff, but that was the dumbest thing yeah. I could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you gained all that fitness on one day, and you gotta, yeah. you gotta keep using it. Right. Yeah. So fit. Right, but that's another thing I told myself too is like th- this. This was like awesome, awesome, awesome effort, and will be good for um, the bank, you know, fitness. But you need to give yourself that time so you can reap the benefits of it. If you still try to keep pushing, you're not going to be able to gain those benefits that you probably would have, if you would have listened to your body and like done it correctly, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So is this Mm -hmm. something that you've learned kind of the hard way over the years or have you kind of innately known this? Uh, no, I've, I've learned it. I've learned it. I guess you could say the hard way. Um, it's, it's hard. I've, I've worked with a few different, coaches and I think I'm to the point now where I'm not robotic I I Luke is my coach now my husband and we work well together with um not it's not a robotic thing you really need to do pay attention to how your body is feeling and how you're responding to certain um training blocks and, and how you're responding to recovery and things like that and I've definitely got a lot better at it over the past year and a half of trusting how I feel and trusting my coach and uh yeah it's just definitely taken a while though and I have learned the hard way because it's not all straight line you know everyone's different and everyone responds different to different things and some things that work for someone else may not work for the other so yeah Mm -hmm. it takes time to figure it out okay and then I think I don't know if you have other things on ground I have I have two things on this topic First of all, how was mm-hmm. it getting your husband to coach you? Because Peter and I have tried this, and it does not work well for me. Okay, no, I. Everyone says that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a lovely, brilliant um, coach. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Everyone asks me that and says that, and I, I don't know. Luke and I haven't had any problems with it yet. Um, his oldest brother Jake helps a bit too. Um, sometimes Jake says that it's best if Jake gives me the hard, um, effort and like the training plan instead of Luke. So I don't get like mad at him or be like, why are you making me do this? Um, but other than that, we, we, the three of us just work together pretty well. And it's, I really like it because Luke sees me every day. He knows me well. And sometimes when I want to keep pushing, but he's like, he'll be there to say, no, it's you need to rest or something like that. So it's really good. I, I like the dynamic we have so far. There hasn't been any drama or arguments. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> works for us. But. Yeah. And also I will point out for, for listeners, uh, Luke and Jake are some of like the best young crit racers in the country and, you know, quite accomplished bike racers in their, their own right. So there's not, it's not like a random husband coaching. <laughs> there's, there's a basis. Right, right. No, they're both, <laughs> they're both super knowledgeable in cyclocross and that's what I wanted. That was kind of what I was lacking on um, was just some, I, w- I wanted to be super specific with what I was doing for my prep for cross. And they're both really aware of what the effort's like and what it takes to be at the top level. So yeah, it's, it's a good fit for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will actually say, I think uh, it was Luke and Nick who actually taught me how to remount a cyclocross bike 
like 10 years ago. It was funny. We were <laughs> watching last night. Jeff showed your, I think you were the one who did it. The, the series of like the cornering drills and the remounts and dismounts on the, on cycle cross magazine, the videos. Oh, were you yeah. the one who did those? Yep. Like you went out to tape and, uh, yep. and shot, <laughs> shot Yeah. We watched those last night. It was funny. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yep. That's, that's where I yeah. learned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's great. We'll have to link Mm -hmm. to that. And then, so the other thing I was thinking as you were talking about this is, I mean, in, you know, the last few years, you've gotten more and more into yoga. You got your yoga teacher training and everything. Has Mm -hmm. that sort of helped with some of that body awareness and like understanding when you need more time to recover and when you're feeling really good? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, helped with a lot of like weaknesses in the left side of body versus the right. It's helped with, um, balance and like core strength and then I think the big thing is helped with is just the mental side of it and my headspace um the approach I take to my racing and training and and just to life in general it's definitely I hate to sound like tacky or something but it's definitely changed my life the yoga teacher training and just kind of submerging myself more into um the practice of yoga as a whole so that's been really cool for me and I think it's definitely been an advantage um just for my the mental side of the sport and how I approach things kind of thing. Yeah, but no, it's been awesome, and I'll, it's definitely something I'll do throughout my entire life. And, uh, yeah, I'm really thankful to have fallen upon that. But <laughs> I always uh, am trying to refer clients to different links and, you know, videos or books. Or Do you have any related to yoga that you really found helpful or useful or – yeah, yeah. Um, Buddha's Brain. I don't know the author. I can't tell you without looking at the book and I don't have it in front of me. But Buddha's Brain is a really good one. Um, what else do I have? Mm, I have a few others, but I just can't think of the titles at the moment. But that's the biggest one, I think. Okay. It's, it's really good. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll link to that. That's a book, obviously. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. So when you, okay, what made you decide to do the teacher training? And then where was the place you took it at? How was it? Give me yeah. the details. Uh, right. So I wanted to do it for the past like four years. I've always come back to it and try to figure out a place I could do it and um, when I could do it. And the schedule has just never really worked out. So it, it's funny sometimes when you look back and see the timing of things I was going through a really really hard dark time in my life and I was over cycling I was over like just that lifestyle and putting all my energy into it and everything like that but I was just super depressed and so I walk into a yoga studio that's literally like half a mile from my house in downtown Colorado Springs and I see that they have a teacher training flyer on the um, desk, and I look at the schedule, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think this format will work. It's like two 10-day sessions, one in March and one in June, and I think I can do that. I'll be home for it. I can make it work. So the next day I, I, went, I went in and with, like, the money that you needed to sign up, and I just gave the lady the check and said, here's my registration money for this teacher training, and I'll see you in March. And so I signed up and I did it and it was, it was awesome. Um, definitely, even if I wasn't, I sub yoga when I'm home sometimes, but even if I wasn't teaching, I would, it's still the best thing I've ever done for me as a human and for my well being. So 
Yeah. It's funny. And it's at low, a studio. Like, did, oh, did go you, ahead. I just, for context, how old were you then? And you did you go to university or college as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Marion University in Indianapolis, Indiana on a cycling scholarship. Right. Uh, I Before went there that. from 2000, yeah, 2010 to 2014. I was there. And then I did the teacher training last summer. So gotcha. I've been out of school for my undergraduate for a while. And, um, really fortunate to be able to be making this bike racing thing work for me right now and um financially and and physically and yeah yoga was just something i i needed at that time in my life and it came at the perfect time so yeah yeah it's funny how (laughs) you you think like oh no you need to focus on you know racing and training a hundred percent of the time right but i think a lot of younger athletes especially fall into that trap where mm-hmm. there's nothing else, right? And training, I did. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. and training will go up and down. That's just the nature of it. Like you said, right. it's not a straight line. Um, right. So when you and have that other thing, right? That trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was victim of that for sure. And that's kind of where I ended up with that breaking point was like, I have no balance in my life. I, uh, well, I, I do, but it doesn't feel like it's enough, you know, kind of thing. And um, it took me a long time to figure that out with having the healthy balance where you're still focused, you're still putting everything into it, but you have, you have other things in your life. You have yoga, you have, um, chicken, you know, it took me a long time to, I, I have a home, like a home base is, was really important for me. It drove me nuts for a few years. I was just being a nomad. Like I can't operate like that. And everyone's different, but yeah, it definitely took a while to figure that side of it out and, once, once I had it, and once it was all in set, set, and like kind of organized, it just made all the difference for me. So, yeah, yeah. I think you and I have even talked about this, like while we were in Europe, the importance of having the home base, even when you're not near it, just knowing mm-hmm. that it exists is so nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something familiar, somewhere you can go back to. It's, it makes it makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So in your yoga teacher training, what was what was your favorite part? And I mean, were there any like least favorite parts? Because I know with mine, I definitely had favorite parts and least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at first I hated the meditation because I'm horrible at sitting still and they made us do it every day, twice a day. And it got like the time got like increased. It got longer and longer. Oh, but it was so bad. But I think around day three or four in the first 10 day session it kind of started to click and I kind of accepted it more and was like okay we you don't have the option you have to do this so you just just try and it's something I've taken with me you now I still do it and it's great I love meditating um the spiritual and and mental side of it I really didn't know that was a part of yoga so that was kind of a, a really pleasant surprise for me and then practicing every day, sometimes it was hard because we would practice twice a day. Um, but I think that was probably the second session of every day was my least favorite part, probably. <laughs> but, um, but no, yeah, I, it was it was awesome. So. Yeah, I found, because uh, I did it where I did 10 weekends, whereas every right. weekend, and I found after it, I needed to take like two weeks straight up off yoga because I was just so yeah. done with it. Because it's the two, it's both week, every day of the weekend, plus you have to take like, we had to do 20 observational classes throughout it. Oh, wow. So okay. I was yeah. so burned out on yoga. By the yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. It's not, it's yeah. not easy. Like physically, you're just like wrecked. 
Yeah, no, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I was exhausted. Yeah, yeah. I would come home and I was yeah. like, I've been sitting for half the weekend, but the other half I'm like doing these yoga things and why am I yeah. so tired? Yeah. No, it's definitely worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so do you plan on doing more teaching or are you just kind of happy with where you are with it right now? Yeah, uh, well, I sub when I'm home, which is super nice. Uh, I get to the studio manager will just be like, are you home? And I'm like, yes, can you sub? Yes, no. You know, it's super flexible and, and easy. And uh, I definitely think I'm okay with with where I'm at now with it. I just like to keep teaching and keep getting experience with that. Um, I think sometime in my future it would be cool to try to um, explore different disciplines of yoga, I guess you could say disciplines like psych- I don't like cycling. I don't know avenues of yoga. Um, with the start working on the three hundred hour to get the five hundred. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, not anytime soon, but I definitely that's in the back of my mind to maybe work towards that someday. But yeah, yeah, up here in Collingwood where we are, there's actually a uh, spin studio slash yoga studio. So I feel like I could totally mm-hmm. see you doing something like that in the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it. you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, okay, so back to the meditation. Do you have any tips mm-hmm. for people who hate meditating? to how to get into it are there any apps you use like how do you make yourself do it now (laughs) yeah so i use this app called insight timer i've tried the app called headspace but that one didn't really click with me so it's called insight timer and you didn't like headspace either no i think we might be the only two people in the world that don't but yeah i didn't like it i couldn't i couldn't figure that one out i just didn't connect with me but try insight timer it's really awesome it's a free app and there's a handful of guided meditations on there which are nice i switch back and forth between just silence and the guided ones but the the guided ones are broken down into categories so just kind of what you need at that time it's most likely there um and then they have a silent one where you just set the timer you put on like there's this little gong noise that will tell you when it's been five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you're set it for so that it brings you out of the, the time. And then I like this app because I'm competitive. So there's a line here though. For a while I got too obsessive about it, but there's, you get stars for every day you meditate. And then when you hit certain number of days, the star will change like color. So it means like five days, 10 days or whatever. So when you go a day without meditating, then you don't get a star and then you, you you ruin your streak, I guess you could say. So that kind of has helped me get into the habit, but then also finding kind of not being obsessive about it because that's not, you're not meditating to get gold stars. You're meditating, you know, so, um, that but that app is really great oh i like that Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds like a good one and then okay so Mm -hmm. as a cyclist what are a couple of your favorite yoga poses for like pre or post ride yeah um pre-ride i don't really do much but every every post ride i do i come home uh and i do I don't know exactly what it's called, but then I put my knee down, one knee down, and then the other one is just 90 degrees, and then it's stretching the knee knee down hip flexor, um, and then I'll hold that for like two to three minutes, and then do the other side. Uh, runner's lunge, I do that at following 
the knee down one, and then a lot of pigeon. I'll do that, and then um, I use the the band or the strap, and I'll lay on the floor, and then put the leg up, put it to the left, and then cross it over to the right. So you're getting all those three different areas, and yeah, I'll just hold those all for three to five minutes. Um, that probably wasn't super specific with the yoga names you wanted, but I'm sorry, that's just <laughs> no, I love that. But you, okay, okay. You would actually love, I think, the book uh, "Hit Reset" by Erin Taylor. It's like athlete yoga. Okay, it's super, super good. She oh. does pretty much every one of those stretches you just mentioned. I'll have to lend it to you next time okay. I see you. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. I'll have to look that up or get yeah. it from you. Yeah, yeah. She's she's rad. And then. Also, since I know I've seen on your Instagram, you occasionally have, you know, super cool, like, side crow, like, all of these. Oh, yeah. What's, like, (laughs) your favorite, what are a couple of your favorite, like, I'm just psyched that I can do this pose, poses? Um, yeah, so I, I go to, when I'm home and I'm not too tired, I go to this, a Tuesday night, um, 90 minute hot flow, but by the lady who, one of the ladies who taught my teacher training, and she's just phenomenal, like, really great and she can do all of the crazy things and she challenges us in every class with something like that and so I'll just learn some crazy ones from her every time I go and then I'll go home and try to try to do it again so I can show Luke or whatever but um yeah I don't really know the names of many of them but I like to try um, <laughs> I don't think I'm at that level yet with like be able to just break into one mostly those pictures I take are right after I had gone to her class but, yep. uh, yeah <laughs> I feel yeah. that do you do now do you do yoga like every day do you have any little routine you do or is it just kind of a whenever you can kind of thing yeah so um not not a full like flow every day um I'll do those stretches after I ride each time and then I'll I'll meditate um but yeah I, I when I'm home I would say I do it like two to three times a week of actually going into the studio and um, taking a class and I think it's nice to be able to take classes from other teachers because you learn other things and different things and different ways of um, how they approach it so yeah mm-hmm. yeah I know mm-hmm. it's like the sad part about being on the road and stuff is it's kind of hard to you know keep paying like the monthly fee at a studio and you're like oh, I'm only here for I know. a week a month I know it's hard yeah but there's I don't know off the top do I think it's called doyogawithme.com. I use that sometimes when I'm on the road. Um, I have a lot of free classes and video podcasts that you can um, do some sessions on there. And I do that when I'm in Europe in the fall and winter. But, yeah. Oh, cool. I was using Yoga Glow for a while and sort of same kind of thing. I was too, but I don't like paying. I know. It's I'm pretty cute. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it, is. it is. So try the doyogawithme.com. It's free. Oh, and, they're, okay. and they're just as good. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Sweet. I'm going to have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what is your plan going away from yoga now? What is the plan for cyclocross season? Same as last year? Yeah. Similar? What's up? Uh, yeah. I think the same same as last year, I'll um, do the full World, World Cup schedule. That's the plan at the moment. And then always um, nationals and worlds. But, yeah, that's, that's the plan. I want to just have another good season but also not put pressure on myself and get all worked up about it and mostly just have fun we have a, had a really good uh team again this year and a really good group and the atmosphere is awesome so i'm excited to to go again 
Looking forward to it. Now, are you going to come up to Canada? Well, she'd have to. Pan yes, Ams for, are up uh, here. For Pan Ams. Okay. Yes, I'll be there. I'm excited. Okay. I haven't been to Canada for a cross race since Toronto back when I was on Planet Bike in like 2009 or 8 or yeah, something I crazy. that race. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Remember they had that Toronto one like up there? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I remember, I think it was Stu, but the Cannondale guys all came up. Is, is, yeah, they is, were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty big race for back then, considering our cyclocross scene is really not that big. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm excited to go to a different place again. I always like traveling and going. To, sometimes it it's nice because it's familiar, but some we don't get to go to new places very often. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always the same same venues every year and stuff. So I'm excited to check out Canada. Yeah, yeah it's not far from Go where, up to where your we neck are. Of the woods. Yeah, well, and it's not far from our neck of the woods. If you want to stay up for an extra day, or if that works, or okay. if you need a place to stay, just yeah, let that'd us be know. that'd be that'd be cool. Thank you. We've got cool stuff. Okay, so with cyclocross though, so schedule is similar. Are you going to do anything? Has has your training changed? I guess over the years, are you planning anything different for this season? You know, what's what's it look um, like? Yeah. My training from last year to this year, it's a little different just because I started working with Jake and Luke a bit later than ideal. So it's a little bit more specific this time, a bit of, we had a lot more time. So it was um, easier to lay it out like the, uh, the right way for us. Um, and but yeah, it's otherwise it's not too, too much different. It's the same things I've been doing just at different had more time, like I said. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have camp again in August. We're at the Thunder Mountain in Greenfield, Massachusetts, and just take a lift up and mountain bike the downhill trails down, which was super awesome and super great for technical skills. I really enjoyed doing that and thought it helped a lot. And, um, nice. Yeah, otherwise, pretty, pretty same, same as. Yeah. So with cyclocross, what does your skills training look like? Like, do you do barriers once a week? Do you do, mm-hmm. yeah. What, what does that look like? Technical skills wise? Yeah. So, so when I'm home, um, we'll, we'll, we're starting it now pretty much is once, once a week doing cross specific skill work and then I'll mountain bike two to three times a week, which helps me too. Um, especially around Colorado Springs, we have really good mountain biking in it. It never you never I will never reach the limit of the trails we have around there they're always going to challenge me Mm -hmm. um and then yeah the rest of the time is just on uh, riding the cross bike on the road but training and intervals and endurance and stuff but yeah yeah, for sure at least once a week cross specific I like, starting now I like <laughs> making sure we get that in there because I feel like there's so many people that you know learn how to dismount and remount and then they're kind of like done with it they don't yeah. need to keep no. doing that but like no everyone yeah, all the I pros mean, do yep no for sure it's something that you always have to keep sharp and um you can you never stop learning you never perfect it kind of thing so uh yeah for sure work on that mm-hmm. okay so you guys just got a dog now i need to ask how yeah. do, how do i get peter to get a dog well, this is something I, we, we got the chickens and then I also want to hear I, about the I chickens. wanted a dog. <laughs> okay. So I think in 2015, we got the chickens, 2016. Can't remember the exact year, but then like, I've always wanted a dog. I grew up with dogs. I, they've always been in my life. I love them. 
um, they're just great companions. And chickens are amazing. They're they're my favorite animal. But I can't bring the chicken in the house when Luke's when Luke's not home, and we're both gone so much um, at opposite times. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, please, like I need a buddy when when you're not here. So it was just a lot of the same answer, like no, no, it's not responsible. We're never home. Like we can't do it. We can't do it. So then we have our house now. We're settled into that, and when he had his accident, I was like, this is the perfect time. Like it will be, it will be great for you to hang out with this little buddy while you're, you know, stuck in the chair, all this stuff. So he was like, if you do the research and you figure out, well, Oh, the other thing is he can't do shedding. He's allergic. Every time we go to our, um, really good friend's house, he'll come home and his eyes are like watering and his nose is all, you know, a mess. Um, so I was like, if you figure it out, if you find a dog that doesn't shed and, and you do all the research, then and then we can talk about it. So that's what I did. And then we ended up getting little Lucy in April, and he's in love with her. So it's awesome. <laughs> but She's um, so, so cute. Far, we've been able to make the schedule work. Like I said, we're always gone at opposite times, so not too stressful with that. Um, she traveled to Kansas with us, with, which was fun. And Luke doesn't really come to many cross races just because he's not able to, so... Uh, it'll, I think it'll work out for us so far. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely was kind of stressful for a little bit just with the puppy phase, but we're out of that now. So not bad. Nice. Yeah. And then any, any tips mm-hmm. for raising chickens? Because I feel like I'm so intrigued yeah. by this. <laughs> yeah. So we made our own coop and that was really fun. Um, good project to do together and did all the research for that. And then the, we had, them in the house for a little bit in their brooder because they live in this little like brooder thing with the heat lamp for for a while until they're ready to go out into the big world I guess and (laughs) um we have a we have a run for them that's attached to the coop for when we're not home um but then when we're home they're they're out in the yard roaming around all the time and um they lay great eggs we don't even have to buy eggs really anymore and yeah, they're just, they're, it's cool because they all have their own little personalities and it's fun to watch them. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I love it. We need to, we need to get a house just so we can have chickens, but we could put a, we could put a dog in the condo. We can definitely handle a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter's I mean, just like Peter giving will, me the Peter eye. Peter will love the dog. You'll love the dog when, when, yeah. once you have it. Yeah, you'll, love you'll, it. you'll learn to love it. I guess, I guess you have to. Yeah. I guess if you don't, then it's, it's bad if you don't. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're fu- they're fun. I mean, it gets it gets us it gets us outside too. I mean, it's easy to fall into the like. Well, well I trained today, so I'm literally not going to do anything else the rest of the day. Um, which I fall into that sometimes. But it's fun to go to the park across the street from our house and just play with her and stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, to finish uh, and change the subject mm-hmm. abruptly, <laughs> uh, I just like, want to do a little bit on sort of setting up. You used your essentially the same bike as you use for cyclocross, right? For the Dirty Kansas. Ooh, we're going to bring it full circle and come full, back I to did, yeah. First, yeah. Well, I know exactly. a lot of people wanted to know sort of, you know, that's sort of a common question once people try to ra- gravel is, can I use my cyclocross bike? So it looks like you essentially yeah. did. Uh, could you just sort of I tell did. us a little bit about what you tweaked as far as I see some saddlebags, I see... Also, I think a lot of people are curious about the tire whiz. I don't know if you can tell us about that, but what, what did you change? You know, you went yeah. from cyclocross with no bottle cages to to this Kansas winning machine. What what did that transformation right. look like? Well, I used my my training wheels, the Zip 30s. Um, then I just put 
we sent them up as tubulars with some gorilla tape because they're not set up as tu- or tubeless. Sorry, tubeless. not tubeless. Yeah. We set them up as tubeless with the gorilla tape because they were, they're just as clincher. I had Maxis Ramblers 38C. And then, um, yeah, I had the Banjo Brothers. I just went and looked for, like, top tube bags. And I bought, it was super inexpensive, this t- nice top tube bag uh, to put my food and other, like, the Garmin battery in and stuff like that. And then I obviously rode with Camelback. And then, what else did we change? We didn't, we didn't change anything else. When I train, I have the saddle bag, so I rode with that. Um, otherwise, everything else was exactly the same as, my cross set up the fit nothing we didn't change anything so mm-hmm. okay and then the tire whiz i know a couple of people have asked me about that and i don't know a ton about it like were you actually like watching yeah. your tire pressure on your garmin or like what are you doing with that um yeah i had so i had had that set up which was actually at first i thought it was goofy but it was actually super convenient and nice and gave you peace of mind because there was a few times in the race where i hit something and i was like oh no like is that going to be a slow leak or whatever you know like that and I would just, it has um, kind of, a, you can set it up in, on the Garmin and it will show you what your tire pressure is. So it gave me a peace of mind with that. And uh, it was definitely fun to try it out and do something new with technology. You're always evolving that. So it was fun. Yeah, cool. And then what else did I see here? Um, you mentioned Garmin batteries. So I know that's one of the things with the length yeah. of that race. So you, you, were you charging one Garmin or did you just carry two Garmins or how'd you deal with that? Cause you were navigating probably a bit with your Garmin too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this was something, if I ever do it again, I'd probably do better. Um, but we only had one Garmin and the battery, we just carried a, I carried a battery, like a two lead battery charger thing in the bag. And then it had the cord. So the battery, the Garmin stayed on my computer in the last 48 miles. I needed to charge it because the battery was dying. So I just plugged it in with the cord. Not ideal, but that's just, it was janky and that's just the way that it works. <laughs> but I know I, I've seen they made like fancy battery attachments to attach on the bottom of the Garmin or like the newer Garmins. Well, I guess the battery life lasts longer and stuff like that. Um, I did turn off power because I didn't need, I didn't think I needed it for dirty Kanza and I turned off the, the backlight a little bit lower and stuff like that to help save the battery but definitely could have had a better system for sure <laughs> yeah it's so like it's such an odd thing to be concerned about but it's you, you hear that yeah, one come right? up a lot and I, I don't know if it's janky yeah. but I think that's how a lot of people sort of do it but okay that that, okay. Are, that are just two just garments with, people the with the fancy yeah, I, yeah, I haven't seen yeah, that. that. That'd be cool, like some sort of auxiliary, like people get for their phone cases and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, have to that up. yeah. Um, yeah, I think Garmin makes them, but I don't know. And then I also saw as a backup, did you have like key turns on your stem or something? I, I will link to all these pro bikes as oh. well, but yeah, uh, I had a printout copy of the directions and turn by turn directions in my in my bag that they had on the website. But then I also wrote like key things down on my stem that were on the cue sheet that just said like dangerous cattle crossing or stuff like that. I didn't know. And it's kind of a roadie thing to do, but um, I just did just in case to, so I would know. And I also wrote like what miles the checkpoints were at because I for sure wouldn't have remembered. And it's nice to know when they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, the river crossings and stuff like that. That was what was on the tape, but 
I don't think that's a roadie yeah. thing. I used to always do that for mountain bike stage races and yeah. marathons and stuff. Like you say, to, oh, ch- chunk okay. it, to chunk it up and know, okay, there's an aid station in like yeah. five miles. I can do five miles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know anything about mountain biking, but nice to know that they <laughs> sometimes do that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're essentially doing what we used to consider mountain biking. That's the dirty Kansas essentially. That's true. It's like, okay. It's like what we used to call endur- enduro before enduro became cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Uh, then I'm trying to think I had one more. Oh, and then there were, you mentioned the river crossings, which I didn't know there was, but like you had a pretty epic river crossing, I believe that one of them was quite high. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I thought it was quite crazy. (laughs) You you posted Uh, a video though. So I'll put that on. It's from your Instagram. I think Yeah. one of you crossing. Yeah. It's on my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke falls down and, uh, (laughs) he was wearing his road shoes though. So the bottom was super slippery. So that's probably why he fell. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was quite the, the fun. I think that was like my favorite part of it was trying to cross that river. So, yeah. <laughs> it's good memories, right? Like that's the stuff you remember. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll never forget that. So. Would you recommend, <laughs> would you recommend to Luke, uh, mountain bike shoes in the future? Uh, for this year, I think it was so dry that you didn't, it was okay with the road shoes. And that was the only time he had to get off the bike. But I've heard that in years past, sometimes they have to hike a bike for a long time because it's so muddy. Yeah. So I think it just depends on the year and what the conditions are like. But I think he was fine with the road shoes just for that little episode in the river. But right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. Do you have anything else, Molly? I think that's about it. So just fill everybody in on where they can find you on the interwebs. Yes. So I have an Instagram account. It's at katiekeo.com. K-A-I-T-I-E, and then K-E-L-U-G-H. And then my Twitter is the same handle. And I have Facebook, but I'm not 100% sure how you find, like, how that link works. But you can just Google my, or put my name in, and it will come up also. Uh, But, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram I have. I'm not on Strava or anything like that. But, yeah. I I respect and admire that fact. I love it. And it sounds like you'll be all over North America for races and stuff. So people can come up and meet you at the Cannondale tent and trailer. For sure. Yes, please do. I always like meeting new people and uh, yeah, please. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I will let you get back to your coaching of the U23 girls. Tell everyone we say hello and I will. We'll see you hopefully (laughs) pretty soon. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you for a hot minute about Health IQ. So it's not really that fun to talk about life insurance, but what about life insurance that actually cares about your Strava results and race results? That's pretty sweet. So Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health conscious lifestyle through financial rewards, which means they've got special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, and other health conscious people. Uh, They've used science to kind of come up with these lower rates on life insurance for people who are exercising, say, four times a week, um, because, you know, research has shown that people who are highly active, you know, by exercising have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and a 34% risk, lower risk of early death. So, you know, many people who are doing this regular exercise training for, you know, whatever event don't realize you can get a special rate on your life insurance through Health IQ by qualifying through the Health IQ quiz that they have online or, you know, even submitting those Stravas and race results, which is pretty sick. Uh, you can learn more and get a quote on your life insurance over at healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. So healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. So check it out. 
browse the website, take the quiz, and, you know, submit your Strava results. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week. 